This is an AMI podcast. It's the 8th of September and it is Double Tap. I am not Steven. Today we're going to take you on an adventure of a couple different topics. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean, it's Michael here, and uh, nice to be in Stephen's shoes, though I don't think I'm going to be able to fill them as good as other people might. Who on earth are you? This feels so weird. Hello, Michael. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. You're telling me it feels weird. I'm, I'm not sure what I feel about it yet. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make it through it, though. We'll make it through it, though. We, we definitely will. No, it's great to have you here. And someone with a beautiful voice, I've got to say. You know, oh, man, people are going to love this. Yeah, hopefully. The, you know, they, the, the voice that I have has been mine, and everyone told me I have a voice for radio. They don't say anything about my face. I don't know if that's good or bad. <laughs> so we've been uh, chatting about some things that recently came out, and I'm curious if you have any information on the different visual interpretation services when it comes to your your seeing if you're in focus on camera and i'm using a tool called centered head on the mac do you have any experience with can you see me i do yeah that's a fantastic app um i don't use it very often i must say but that's because i've got a uh, a glorious webcam the insta link insta 360 link i think it's called it's one of those that that automatically tracks you and you know puts you in frame uh it's fantastic Sadly, the software, totally inaccessible, an absolute nightmare. But once you get someone to set it up for you, either Ira Desktop or Sighted Assistance, then um, it's actually really cool. I, can I just stop there for a second? This is so strange. We're going straight into tech. You, I'm, I'm so used to having a 20-minute discussion about, I don't know, our trousers or what we've eaten this week. Or well, not eaten. <laughs> This yeah. yes, <laughs> it is a tech th- show. See, listeners who uh, have been listening for a while, they they keep hearing it's a tech show. Honest and honestly, it is. Sometimes. Today is a tech show, right? Sorry, let me get back on. That's another thing we do. Go off on tangents. Um, yeah. So, um, can you see me? A, a fantastic app, standalone, and it it just tells you it, where you are. Very much. If you use the camera on the iPhone or even on Android, they have it as well. It will tell you, you know, your it detects your face and tells you where it is in the viewfinder. So to the left, to the right, or in the middle, to the top, to the bottom. It's incredibly handy. And now that you know, we've been using voice uh, voice video conferencing for so long, mm. it's it's more important than ever. Um, and these little apps, as uh, there is one for the Mac as well, which we will get to. But can you see me for Windows? I would definitely recommend. It's fantastic. It is. And it gives you that feedback about where your face is. Doesn't tell you much about what else is seen in the camera. I'm playing with the Be My Eyes AI. I don't know if you've realized this, but I realize the camera picks up a lot more than what you might think it does. <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm always... <sighs> You know what? I'm still slightly uncomfortable when it comes to video. Mm. I've, I've, I've been doing it a while now. You know, I, I do the Shaun of the Shed podcast on YouTube. Check it out, Shaun of the Shed. Um, but I still feel uncomfortable not, not being able to know exactly if I'm framed up 
just right and exactly what's in frame that maybe shouldn't be. Um, and you're absolutely right. I, uh, be My Eyes, Be My AI is fantastic for that. Also, just using something like Ira or a, a human volunteer on Be My Eyes just to say, hey, is there anything in the background here can be really useful. And this came up because of some uh, information that dropped about the betas from Vespero and JAWS and, and the different tools that they have. I use Centered Head on the Mac. So first of all, Can You See Me can be gotten at canyouseeme.app if you are interested in downloading it. Free utility on Windows. Uh, before I go into Centered Head, you mentioned something that I was not aware of with Can You See Me that uh, restricts the ability or you can only use it on one, uh, uh, you can only use your camera with one application at a time? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's a restriction with the actual Can You See Me app itself. Mm. Um, it's a restriction inside Windows because gotcha. uh, I've noticed this a few times. If you have the, I use the camera app, which is built into Windows to record my videos. Um, but if you have, say, a Zoom call going, you, you can only use the camera on one app at a time. It, it's not shareable, um, which is a bit of a limitation, obviously. Mm -hmm. But it, it means you frame yourself first. So if I'm going to record a video, I would. Um, start up can you see me frame myself close that down and then start up either camera or start the video conference or anything like that you can't do it you know I've got zoom running for example I'm in a video call and then oh I just check my framing you need to stop the video because you can't share it but I think I'm pretty sure that's a Windows limitation right yeah, Centered Head, which runs on the Mac, you can get that from the App Store, will let you uh, run it, and the Mac will let you run two video apps at the same time. And I'm using Continuity on my iPhone for Zoom calls with a tripod, and then I'll run Centered Head, and you can have it play tones in each ear, depending on what aspect of the camera is seeing your face. So if it's only seeing you on the left side, you'll only hear beeps in your left ear, and that can be really useful because I use SoundSource on the Mac to turn the volume down of Centered Head, so that way it's very faint, but I can still hear those beeps, and it doesn't interrupt me when I'm live with Kelly and Romeo. Wow. That's one of those things like listening to your screen reader whilst talking to someone. It's uh, That's a skill, my friend. And also, that reminds me of the audio version of those little toys you used to get, you know, which had ball bearings in them and you had to tilt them to get them into the hall. It's, it's, it's a game whilst working. <laughs> I'm a fan of that. And you're right, look, the Mac um, doesn't have those limitations and it, it is actually really useful to be able to use you know, the camera on multiple apps. And not only that, the Mac is great when it comes to audio. You can do the same sort of thing with audio. It's, it's, sort of, it's, it's shareable across the whole system. It's, um, the Mac is great for that. Yeah, but the Mac also has some some weird audio issues. I'm using the Vocaster from Focusrite right now, and Demasi had to record a video so we could explain to people how to use Loopback, so a, another tool, just so that way you can only pull your microphone or your microphone and your phone out, or people on Zoom heard everything, including voiceover. And sometimes the oh. Mac is, has good audio things. Uh, that's what keeps me here on the Mac, though, tools like Audio Hijack and Loopback. Oh, Loopback is absolutely amazing. Rogue Amoeba do a fantastic job when it comes to accessibility. They are great. Uh, let me just jump back a minute. When it comes to the Can You See Me app as well, as you said, the website to go to canyouseeme.app. 
I noticed, and I struggled with this. I tried to, I had to refresh my PC the other day, you know, something went wrong. I had to reset it and I was downloading all my apps. If you try and download it in Edge, it says, this is mm. an uncommon file <laughs> and it stops you from downloading it. And could I find how to stop that? I went through the settings and went through security. I'm sure there is a way, but wow. Was it difficult? And I'm not sure it's accessible. I went through a step-by-step -step guide to fix this issue, how to download files it thinks are unsafe. Um, but using NVDA, at least, I couldn't actually follow the steps. You had to use a mouse at one stage to click on a button that wasn't you know, accessible with your screen reader. Downloaded Chrome. Downloaded it from uh, canyousee.me.app. Not a problem. Downloaded hmm. it straight away. So if you do have an issue, try it with a different browser. In general, it's always good to have multiple browsers on your computer to try things like that because little weird things like that will will happen, and then you don't know you don't know what to try at that point for sure. <laughs> I know I was trying to I was trying to cut down on extra stuff. My my Windows hard disk is I don't know five hundred and something gig, and I'm only using about sixty gig. Mm -hmm. um, I've got lots of free space. I try and keep it as clean as possible, and I thought you know what. I'm just going to stick with Edge because previously Chrome was my go-to browser. Every time, right. as soon as I set up a computer, I'm installing Chrome. But basically Edge is Chrome now, right? It runs off the same engine, yeah, mostly a Chromium engine. So I thought it's quite, it's quite a nice browser for a screen reader because I do like the verbose nature of, you know, page has finished loading and those voice prompts that you get like that, they are quite nice. Um, so I was just trying to stick with Edge, but you do come across these sort of issues where you think, yeah, actually, I'll just install Chrome just to, uh, <laughs> just to get me by. You know, it's a bit like using Narrator and NVDA and Jules, and it, you just, just in case there's something that yeah. one app will do that another one won't. I wonder if trying Narrator in the point where you were having problems accessing it with NVDA would have given you that access. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I've, I've got an interesting one at the minute. I'm using the Apple Keychain extension mm -hmm, for mm -hmm. uh, the Edge browser for managing my passwords. I thought this is going to be great across my smartphone and Windows. Now, it's one thing, it'd be fantastic. And it is, except there's one problem. Every time you open the browser, you need to um, enter a code into the <laughs> Keychain to verify it. You uh -huh. know, okay. And that's fine. You do that once and then you're great. It will autofill your passwords for you, share them across. Great. You close that browser and open it again. <laughs> then you need to verify it again. Now, it's all accessible except the verification code that pops up when you want to use the keychain pops up at the notification. You can alt tab to it, but um, narrator is the only thing that reads it. My NVDA won't. Mm. And then when I go back to the browser to enter the code, it's the other way around. I need to swap, swap back. <laughs> so it's constantly switching. I, mean, I can't even remember if this is that way around. It's either narrator in one and NVDA yeah. in the other. But it's one of those things where you think, oh, wow. Okay, I've got a toggle between the two. Um, but it, for me, it, it, it's, it's annoying. But it's one of those things. I am so sort of in the habit of just closing down the browser every time. I right. never just leave it open. It's just, you know, Alt F4. As soon as I finish with something, Alt F4. And uh, that, that bugs me. But, um, I, wish, 
I wish I could say that. I leave browser windows open. I leave parallel windows open. Like, uh, no one wants to use my computer because you can never find anything. And then everything don't, gets saved on the desktop. Don't, well, yes, I do that as well. But don't you get a bit OCD about cleaning it up? We were nope. talking about it today. For me, <laughs> for me, at the end of the day, I've got, I don't know, you know, hundreds, maybe a bit of an exaggeration, but windows open. I've got you know, multiple instances of audacity. I've got notepad open all over the place. And I, I got to clean it up because alt tab in between them just drives me absolutely crazy. So I cheat and I don't alt tab through my windows anymore because I'm using launch bar. I just hit command space, start typing SAF or SA now. And if you press and hold the last letter of the abbreviation you're typing, it pops you right into that app. So instead of hitting alt tab to try to find the app I'm looking for, I just hit command space, type SAF, and all of a sudden I'm in Safari or use the keyboard commander to open applications too. I will say that I realize I have a lot more apps open on the Mac because it just runs fluidly. You would think you would have to close the virtual windows down and often I'll come back to the computer after a day or so away from it and Alt-Tab or Command-Tab and there's Windows and I'm using NVDA. So uh, yeah. it, it definitely works out for sure. i got to say, I don't experience any real slowdown with uh, the amount of stuff I have on. The, the only thing I experience slowdown in... Why wow, we're going deep in tech. Hello, <laughs> listeners. You are listening to Double Tap. Um, the only thing I notice is, is Dropbox is the thing that will slow things down. Um, if it's mm. you know, uploading or downloading, it's doing so much checking on the status of files and if it needs to sync a file. That's the only thing that seems to slow my computer down at the minute. Everything else, it seems that either OS, actually, Mac or Windows, seems to have sort of the memory management of opening or having multiple instances of whatever app open, it seems to handle that really well. It does, and uh, it seems to, to to allow you to get done what you need to, and then some. Uh, let's let's take it a little bit away from tech. And there's a vo- there's a message from Janine that we'll play uh, talking about liquid level indicators to you. Oh, Sean, I feel your pain. Here's what I've discovered to lessen that pain to only one scalded finger. Pour the cold liquid in first. (gasps) No. No. I know that everyone, or at least almost everyone who teaches blindness rehab, shows you how to pour things and then shows you how to use the liquid level indicator. Aside, does it really need to be that loud? Granted, it does cut the early morning fog, but really? The goal of using a thing with the volume of a tornado siren to indicate liquid levels is so that you don't burn your finger, but also to make you feel more, well, normal? Hashtag go ableist. After all, everyone adds stuff to their hot drinks this way. The above thought could be called a functional fixation, i.e. there's only one way to do something and everyone must do it that way. I rebel. What makes sense is to pour the similar amount of liquid first so you can more easily tell how much you have. I used the glug method for years. Then we got a coffee creamer that didn't glug based on the bottle design. What to do? I now measure by time. One second is about all I need to know that I have the right amount of creamer in there for my taste. I do a check with a finger, though, occasionally if the bottle is almost empty. With milk or creamer in your cup, you are now ready to tackle the hot stuff. Use the liquid level siren or your finger if pouring from a pot. Otherwise, use a larger cup than you need for the Keurig-type coffee makers. Ours is set to 10 ounces and most of our mugs hold 12 ounces. The good thing about the Keurig brewers is that they usually have a nice well under the cup if you spill over. Here's another fun fact. If you use the spray kind of whipped cream, like you'd put on a dessert, spray about an inch worth into your coffee cup. 
Now put that bad boy under the Keurig and listen to the fun. It makes a nice foamy bit that tastes sort of like marshmallow. You didn't know I had a side gig as a barista now, did you? Janine, hashtag pour it right, hashtag liquid level siren be gone. I got to try that. I got to try that because it'll give me a reason to play with the audio. Janine, thank you for taking us away from talking about tech a little bit. (laughs) Well, that all comes from the problems I was having trying to get the right amount of milk into my cups of tea and uh, the liquid level indicator. I I don't know. I just I don't understand it. There you go. Yes, this is a tech show. I don't understand it. Uh, There's a little bit of plastic on the three prongs that you can move up or down. But what does that Uh do? Does that change the level? Before it alerts you, that is my suspicion is it changes the level of the liquid before it alerts you. Now, the only liquid level indicator I've put my hands on is a small round like disc-like thing. And then there's uh, two prongs and you kind of hang it over the edge of the cup. Is that the same kind as yours? That's right. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. But mine's got three three prongs and the middle prong is slightly shorter than the outer two. Okay. So I thought, well, maybe once all three have made contact with the liquid, then that's okay. So the, like the center one is for the milk. <laughs> uh, do you know what I mean? Like the, the first two, first level is for the water and then you add the I don't know. It, it's complicated. And I use that glug method all the time. One glug, two glug, three glugs. I have, I'm a three glug cup of tea. Uh, I don't know what creamer is. We don't have that over here. Uh, me neither, because I drink my coffee plain. See, that just solves that problem. Oh, that, I don't have to worry so about how much I'm putting in there. <laughs> now, the only, I'll be totally honest with you here. Oh, why should I share this? Yes, I'm going to. <laughs> I only ever use my level, hang on, liquid level indicator when I'm making tea for somebody else. Uh-huh. Say I've got so I've got a, a, a tradesman in doing something. <laughs> I always feel self-conscious that I can't stick my finger in that fruit. <laughs> I can't, I can't like, I, like I usually would do, just stick right. a finger in there. The secret is uh, uh, just don't tell people. Well, I know, but I always feel like they're watching me. You yeah, know, I've just yeah. been petting the dog for 10 minutes. And uh-huh. then, I'll make you a brew. Yeah. Let me just stick my fingers in <laughs> Yeah, I think we all have to worry about that, uh, especially if you're making it for someone else. Make it plain and uh, tell people we don't we don't have milk. I'm sorry, you can't have that in your tea. <laughs> I've started using um, be my AI to because I do it and I did I put milk in this or not? I can't remember. <laughs> so but you I, ask the question, or do you just take a picture and it tells you? I take a picture, say, is there milk in this? And it will mm. it will tell me. Yes, yeah. it's great okay. until it tells you and there really isn't milk. Ah, hallucinates. Who knows? Hasn't happened yet. Yeah, yeah. I have had it hallucinate, but we won't talk about that. Instead, let's uh, go to some sunglasses real quick. Hi all. I've been using a Bluetooth speaker glasses, aka Bose or Google Glass, but mine cost $15.99. For the price, they are pretty good. But first, the glasses are the cheap wraparound visor type plastic kind that you get off a beach snack bar when you lose your expensive ones. And the speakers flip up and out like flipping out your windshield wipers. But the sound is pretty decent for playing off-ear, about half or more from the ear, and there is no direct contact. But for the price, they're a lot better than paying $400 for Bose glasses. If the high-end Bose are an 8 out of 10, these are about a 5 in sound, but a 2 in quality and coolness, (laughs) if not an attention starter. I got them from Amazon. They're called the Ledin Wireless Bluetooth MP3 Polarised Sunglass Speakers. I will try to remember to bring to the next meeting to pass round. Walk with the profits, Ken. 
<laughs> Thank you, Ken. Okay. Like, how do they charge? Well, how do they all charge? I, 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 I don't like how these sunglasses charge with that split yeah. Y cable usually. And usually it's some sort of proprietary um, connection as well. So if you lose that cable, forget it, they're dead. Um, how do you feel about audio sunglasses? Because everyone loved the Bose, right? Yep. We loved them in, in our community, and rightfully so. They were great, except that price point for me. I know, sorry, it's me talking about price again. But I've used those, and every pair I've had have died. Um, not a problem, but, you know, there's an issue there. Um, I then had the Anchor Sancor frames, mm -hmm. which were nice, not as good audio quality as the Bose, but very nice build quality. But I, I don't know about spending that sort of money on audio sunglasses. I, honestly, I think I would rather go for lower quality but spend $15 <laughs> on sunglasses I'm probably going to sit on anyway or lose or leave on the train. Um, yeah, I think it's a far safer bet to go for just, you know, almost no-name cheap audio sunglasses. I went on Alibaba once, which is a website where you can go buy imported products and see how much can I find some smart sunglasses, either audio sunglasses or even it would be nice to find some glasses with a camera in it that could Bluetooth to your phone because I figured there's got to be a way to get around this. I got bored and confused with the inaccessibility <laughs> of the web page, but that was the intention with it. Uh, I had a, po a, po a pair of the Bose frame altos, I think. Uh, Yes. And then I set them down on the table and then walked away and then someone moved them on me and I lost those for about a month and a half. And then I was cleaning <laughs> something out and I found them like, oh, I remember these. And I promptly sold them because I realized I didn't need them anymore. I am very fond, full transparency. JJ's provided me some for demonstration purposes, which has actually meant wearing around all day long on my head of the Shocks Open Run Pros. Um, and those are the the most comfortable aftershocks and they give you kind of the same experience of having audio beamed into your brain or you know pushing that yeah. audio through that bone and still being able to hear things around you so if the kids want to talk to you you can pretend like you're engaging with them yeah i'm i'm not usually a fan of bone conduction to be honest mm -hmm. but when we're talking about like the the anchor sancor frames the 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 audio bleed you know the person next to you on the train or the bus can hear <laughs> absolutely everything you might as well right. wear bluetooth speakers just on your shoulders um it's virtually the same the bows weren't as bad as that but there's still some bleed through um so i'm kind of yeah i, I don't know and it sounds like it sounds like the fits that Stephen has don't make that bleed any better i don't know did did he say anything about that um, I can't remember now, to be honest. I think he was going to test them out in the wild, as I put it, um, to see what the volume was like. But there is a little bit of bleed through. I'm not entirely sure. I don't think it's quite as bad as I th uh, the, the Sancor frames, which I think are, are the worst culprits for this. But, um, yeah, I'm not entirely sure. But it makes me think, well, you know, why are we fixated on the sunglasses aspect of it? Why don't we just put some earbuds in or, you know, as you said, the aftershock? way um, because it's, it's not really an extra thing to carry around as much is it mm -hmm. I know it's all about trying to cut down on the amount of gadgets we carry and if you wear sunglasses anyway hey why not but um, yeah I'm not sure that the sort of the bang for the buck you're getting is actually worth it
I've never been much of a sunglass wearer myself, though I know a lot of other blind individuals that have been uh, and and that do wear them. Um, I use the Shocks Open Run Pros and just threw them on when I left Chicago earlier this year and honestly had them on until about two o'clock the next morning because they were just so lightweight and comfortable. And then I could pull my phone out. Well, actually just pulled away from my body with the slinger, use my phone, have Ira on there, still be able to talk to them and just keep going hands-free, which made things super nice. And then you weren't fiddling with getting things to connect. And that seems to be the issue when I'm out and about trying to use something Bluetooth related. If it doesn't automatically connect, I'll just throw it back in my bag and say, nope, time to time to just use the phone. Yeah, exactly. You don't want to be fiddling around in the settings and connecting. And uh, yes, I'm absolutely with you with that. And on that note, let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be back in a moment. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. Back to Double Tap, and my name is Michael. I'm here with the very famous Sean. Sean, has this ever happened to you? I was on a call today, and someone hmm. said, you're famous. I heard your voice on a, on a station out of Canada. Thank you, Mr. F. And I heard your voice <laughs> on the Shell Phone Show, and I heard you here, and I heard you. I'm like, yeah. I'm I'm all over the place. Yeah, but you are famous, Mickey B. Of course you are. I have never had that happen, ever. Nobody's <laughs> ever recognized my voice because it is a terrible, whiny voice with a funny accent. So, no, that's never happened. I often wish it would happen. There's times, oh, wow, I'm being too open and honest with this. There's times <laughs> where I've been traveling, say, on a, on a train. And, you know, oh. you just sat there doing your ting. And then you may hear... A screen reader somewhere just somewhere nearby your ears uh-huh. go ping 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 i hear voiceover i hear jewels there's another <laughs> blind person on this train we must immediately get together we must sit together and, and converse this is vitally important i don't know what it i honestly i, I do feel like oh there's another blind person it's a, there's one of my brothers or sisters and there are times where i've spoken um I, on the way out or something or whatever it may be and um I, sometimes i do think i wonder if they'll recognize my voice i wonder if they're a listener um i never do anything about it obviously i mean i'm not that conceited or anything but i sometimes think uh, hello hello and welcome to uh, oh no that's Stephen, not me <laughs> um but <laughs> i've never never been recognized by my voice ever it's a weird feeling having it happen to me. It's a weird feeling. I will tell you, I don't, I, when people say I recognize your voice, I'm like, is that, is that good? Is that bad? I'm glad. Now you do do something <laughs> that I have, have just recently started doing. So you actually go talk to other blind people. Do you like it when uh, train engineers say, Hey, there's this blind guy two rows down. You should come talk to them. No, <laughs> no, no, I don't. I like it organically. If we bump into each other, literally, I, I, or, you know, you can hear someone talking to their guide dog or you can f- hear the cane unfolding. Um, no, no, I, I mean, I, I'm not actually, I don't just go and seek them out, but, uh, I will, okay. I will talk to people, you know, if I hear them near me and I, I will say, Hey, how's it going? And whatever. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know why that is, because as as you said, as often I go up the shop or something, I say, oh, there is another blind person in here. And uh, do you know them? You know, they're called so-and-so. Do you yeah. know them? Yeah. And the fact, I always want to say, how dare you? Do you think we all? But the truth is, a lot of names that I hear, I go, 
Oh yeah, actually I do. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I just don't go anywhere, and that avoids that issue. Do you know your neighbors? Uh, ooh, yes, I do. Yes, I'm currently oh, looking okay. after okay. my neighbor's cat. So yes. I don't know my neighbors currently. We moved. We used to live across the road from this lady who the boys did some work for, and that's the only reason I knew her. And then on the other side of us, there was a teacher, and the boys went over to her house and would hang out and play with her daughter. And uh, that's the only reason I knew that neighbor. But now we've moved here, and I just do – I know hundreds of people online. I don't know the people I live next to. It's an interesting time we live in. I mean, I, but it's, it's, it's tricky. You say it's an interesting time, but hasn't it always been that – I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, you know, when we walk past someone – we we mm-hmm. we don't know who that is unless they interact with us. I mean, true. I, I I take the dog for a walk every morning, and you know, usually see this or hear the same sort of people, you know, <laughs> leaving for work or taking their kids to school. And unless someone interacts mm-hmm. with me, it's really awkward. To, firstly, it feels uncomfortable just to say, "Hey, hello, I'm Sean. How are you?" <laughs> I mean, that's that's socially awkward anyway. So. I don't know if that's strange or not. And it's up to other people to make contact. A lot of the time as well, I know, oh, I like you. When the people say, hello, Sean, it's so-and-so. You Uh, know, it's the people that say, hello, morning, and don't tell me who they are because they expect me to know them. I don't. Often they'll get a nod or a hello from me. Not not even a morning or anything. It's just, uh, yeah, hello. there, (laughs) There comes that point, though, right, where you're suddenly... I'm a bit more self-conscious now of saying hello mm. first because the amount of times I've said hello to someone who's talking on their smartphone, for example, <laughs> on a phone call, and they're saying hello to someone, yeah, all right, hey, or how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing fine, thanks. Oh, they're not talking to me. Just yeah, head down, yeah. keep walking. Some, sometimes you can have conversations <laughs> with someone. They're not even talking yes, to exactly. you. exactly. <laughs> or someone could be like at the end of the street and say, morning. And you think, okay, are they talking to me? I, I'll take a couple of seconds here to see if there's a follow-up. And then I'll just whisper, yeah, morning, just in case they're not yeah. talking to me. Yeah. That, it's a that way they don't think you're rude. They just think they couldn't hear you. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is difficult. I, I, I mean, look, joking aside, we talked about, you know, like isolation before and, 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 mm-hmm. and things like that. And it's a, a definite issue. I, the only reason I know most of my or a lot of neighbors around here is because I fell over at the bottom of my drive and led on the um, sidewalk for about two hours <laughs> so you didn't know them before then huh? so yeah they all came out and piled blankets on me i'm sure that was trying to help but um yeah yeah so uh it, it, that's the only reason it, it, it's got to be um it's very difficult to have that casual you know nod and hello when you can't make contact with them and you're not entirely sure actually if there's the same person every time you're walking past right so yeah it is nodding at a tree it is <laughs> yes it is difficult yeah, yeah. Uh, do you guys have next door over there? We do. Yes, um, it's very handy actually. I, I, we lost the dog we had before the one I've got now. We actually lost him, and oh, you know what it's like. The whole family's mm-hmm. in tears, and we're out walking yeah. the streets. And um, it, it, yeah, someone had posted uh, this dog has just walked into my house. <laughs> Does anyone know? This? <laughs> and it was funny enough. We were like, we were scouring the the area. And it was just two doors down from our house. He'd just gone to yeah. visit another dog. Okay. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's good, actually. I like Nextdoor, but um, the app does have some accessibility issues. Yes. I keep meaning to do a recording of it and send it to the developers, actually, because if, if they just categorized it by um, headings, it would be mm. so much easier to navigate. But it's a really useful app. 
And I wonder, is the reason you haven't done that recording the same reason that I often do? And that is, is it worth my time or energy? Are they even going to watch this recording to fix the issues? That yeah, they are? that's right. But see, unless, you know, until you actually make contact, you never know. Some developers mm -hmm. are absolutely fantastic and they will get back to you and they seem um, genuinely interested in it you know and others just give you the, the same auto response email so it is down to us to make contact i suppose you got to be creative with your technology uh sometimes to to get the solutions there's a voicemail here that i want to play from scout talking about the victor reader and sense player hi double tappers this is scout and i was just calling in reference to your most recent episode i think the idea behind the stream and or the sense player is that you know remember the old um uh, i something or another mp3 players people used to have well this is that same idea except for our community and it just happens to be android which is cool and that way you have a second device that does everything but make a phone call and then you can not use your primary phone as an entertainment device. Just a thought. Thank you for all you do. And you can use it for a phone, too, because it has microphones. And you can install third-party applications on the Synth Player specifically. But I get what he's saying. You can just use that device to play the content that you want to consume and then keep your phone open because I've been there and I know you have too. Halfway through a news article or halfway through a page on an iBook or a Kindle book and then you get a notification because you didn't put your phone in do not disturb. <laughs> and then you have to start all over again. Yes, um, if you just let the notification read out and just let the uh, you know, it carry on reading the article or whatever... It starts reading out weird formatting or, or yeah. you know, HTML. It's like, okay, I need to start this again. But I have noticed in the uh, latest iOS 17 beta, the notifications no longer interrupt. If it's reading something, um, the notifications pop up, but they don't actually say anything. I'm not entirely sure if that's a good or bad thing yet. Um, mm. We will have to wait and see. I would love the option to toggle that, let notifications interrupt while it's reading or not. Um, but I don't know if that's going to come through in the official release. Um, while we're on it, I've got to say thank you so much, Scout, for that voicemail. Really appreciate it. And if you do want to get in touch with us, just in case Stephen's listening, I've got to do this. If you do want to get in touch with us, you can email feedback at doubletaponair.com or why not give us a call, just like Scout did. You can call us on one 803 Okay, where was I? Oh, yeah. Using a secondary device for something like entertainment or whatever it may be. I get that. I totally get the, the second device. And you're right. There are, there are reasons for it. My um, Sarah, my partner, has recently bought uh, an iPad for that very reason. She loves her audiobooks. And um, rather than use her main mm. device, her smartphone, she wanted to use an iPad for that. Um so I get the reasoning behind it, but the the thing is that the, the Victor Reader Stream, the Sense Player, all fantastic devices. But once you're starting to get the, those those prices are creeping up to a entry level smartphone, and and the the capabilities are virtually the same, or you know, is it is the smartphone for the same sort of price more flexible than something like that? Or are we simply saying that I'm willing or I 
I'm more interested in the interface, the easier interface, if you will, of the the Victor Reader Stream or the Sense Player. I, I'm I'm not sure. It's a very crowded market. Starting at what used to be four eighty nine, now they bumped it up to five twenty nine. Yeah, US is the blind shell, and then you go up from there and you get into the Smart Vision three. Speaking of which, has Stephen mentioned his thoughts on the Smart Vision? Since he's he still it? no, no. He's still and to give him his due, he's actually really taken this through its paces. Um, he's Good. he was initially very interested in this and and quite impressed with it. But um, mm-hmm. he's, he's not really um, that well-versed in Android, uh, ah, firstly. Yes. You know, he's yes. far more comfortable in iOS. So he really wants to see, you know, what's the difference between my, what part of this uncomfortableness, if there is any, is down to just using Android or down to using the Smart Vision 3. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, he's really testing this out. But um, I think he's going to be impressed by it. Actually, I'm, I'm quite interested in this myself. I have one that Raz Mobility here in the United States sent me, and I pick it up and I use it. I have I found a couple of little things that don't make me happy about it, uh, and I have reported those. Hopefully, they'll fix that. Uh, but I pick it up, I go to the Play Store, and I sit on that search field, and I hit the OK button, and I think, what app do I want to download on Android? Because <laughs> my app familiarity is iOS and what you can do on iOS. But where I was going with that is there's there's that ranging from 549 to 599 in the U.S. Uh, I think the Stream 3 is around the 550 price point. The Sense Player is at that 600 to 799, depending on the model. OCR, and at yeah. 795, with the OCR version, you're more than what a base level new iphone typically costs yeah exactly so uh, i just feel like um uh, look this is my personal opinion i just feel like a smartphone is more flexible far Mm. more um yeah just far more flexible but again it's how much you how much store you put into the actual interface there's no denying that the interface is you know the the menu driven aspect of the victor reader stream or the sense player is, is far more friendly for some people anyone who knows me knows i am fond of this blind shell phone i i have very high frustrations for example blind shell why can we not navigate by line or paragraph it's only words or characters and when you're reading minutes for a a chapter meeting going word by word because focus jump to the top is very time consuming (laughs) um and there's a few other things but what i do love about the blind shell is consistently it works. I was helping someone today and she wanted to know where to go to get something. Uh, to I think it was turn on the automatic caller ID information. So I walked her through getting the settings and then going into sounds. And then I told her to go to one place and it wasn't there because I didn't have my blind shell in front of me. Mm. So I told her, hit that back button. I knew that would consistently bring her back to the sounds menu. Yeah. And then I told her, go down to the feedback, press OK. And when, when you figure out where how to be able to navigate these operating systems and and how to be able to to get around these interfaces um poking and pushing buttons and trying different things isn't going to break anything it's just getting familiar with it i think that is a huge selling point for things like the blind shell and the stream well we've been having a, a bit of a conversation lately about the sort of perception that that blind people visually impaired people would str- struggle with a touchscreen over tactile, actual physical buttons, you know, like the Smart Vision 3, like the Blind Shell Classic. Um, these are preferable 
because of the physical buttons. But that mm -hmm. sort of insinuates that, that, that we would struggle or we do struggle using a touchscreen and that this interface is actually easier than a touchscreen. Where would you where would you come down on that? Because I'm I, I'm of the um, opinion that the reason we moved or mainstream moved to touchscreen was because it was more user friendly to people who maybe are you know less comfortable with technology. The whole you know point and tap is is a more friendly option, and I still think that's the same even if you're using a screen reader. Did you ever know the late Tom Decker? Uh, no, not personally. Okay, so he made some books called Feel and See, tactile books for the blind for the iPhone for blind users, and he was all about getting familiar with the layout of your phone and the applications that you're using, so you don't have to flick, flick, flick through everything. And I think for people to understand the concept and to be comfortable with an iPhone, flicking is great, but at that point, some people may just prefer a physical push button because they can't flick straight. And so they might try flicking at an angle, which throws everything off, versus getting familiar with where the uh, recent calls button is in the phone application and then just putting one finger on the screen on the recent call button and then split tapping. Because when you become familiar with the the way the interface is visually laid out, then it can be as easy as it is for someone else to just touch the touch screen and interact with it that way. I do, however, see the point for devices with physical push buttons, especially with, uh, I have a couple of customers who have neuropathy in their fingers, so they can't. Oh yeah, absolutely. The, the touch screen won't detect their fingers. So there is that aspect of it too. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Stephen has an essential tremor and he's noticed that it has started to affect some, sometimes, you know, if it's uh, particularly bad, then yes, it can affect it. And that's absolutely the case. But I'm specifically saying, the, you know, in the aspect of being blind, it's often put forward that we need a physical button, you know, and I just no. don't think it's the case. It's, it's almost like um, <laughs> when I started to lose significant sight, it's all the extra large jumbo remote controls and large um, uh. keypad telephones that people got me. I mean, I, I totally see a use for them for people with, with trouble with their fingers, with arthritis or things like that. But you know what? It doesn't actually help me as a visually impaired person. No. Does it help you when you have to open your microwave and this is microwave open? I've, I've heard of these <laughs> devices out there and I've, I've struggled with buying mainstream assistive technology. And I say that, and that's not the right words that I want to use, but uh, appliances that are designed for the blind in mind, because I think you bring up a good point there. Do you need all of these extra features or do you just need to learn how to how to navigate your kitchen or how to get around in different places. Uh, before I get myself in trouble. <laughs> oh, dear, I'm saying nothing. Yes. <laughs> let's talk about the, well, let's listen about the Ultra Cane. Morning, lads. Just a couple of thoughts around the ultrasound discussion. I have tried the ultrasound cane many years ago, largely because at the time I was thinking that there must be approaches I could use as someone becoming blind where I could have more notice than the two steps contact distance from a cane. In the end, this turned out to be echolocation approaches, as I've mentioned before. Shh. I also tried the Sunu band experimentally. 
I think one of the core problems with ultrasound approaches, as they have been, is simply that designers have not focused on the core purpose of how ultrasound can be used as an integrated approach to travel skills. I would think that most cane users are simply looking for around two steps in front of the physical long cane in order to give them an effective distance to identify that an object is there and to take action to move left or right in a fluid way that allows sighted people to feel you are in control of your travel. In my experience, sighted people do not know the difference between locating and contacting a known landmark and feeling that you are at risk of walking into an obstacle. This creates anxiety in sighted people and a misperception of hitting rather than detecting an obstacle, street furniture or landmark. I think ultrasound designers should more visualise the idea that sound wave use is very much the same as light wave use with a torch. With a torch, the person needs control over where the light is being sent. This is usually straight ahead with hand sweeps to the left or right to illuminate an environment. You wouldn't fasten a torch to your feet or have it set to a fixed position on your body for best application. Of course, there will be individual situations where this might be helpful, such as waiting in bus or bank queues, etc. Similarly, an ultrasound device needs to be capable of being focused to the direction you are aiming to go towards, and this involves being able to scan your immediate area for object detection. From my point of view, there are only two flexible areas of the body for free movement when walking. This is the hand and the head. Consequently, the only places for flexible scanning are the hands and the head. This brings me to the second element around devices. The idea of having attractive, fashionable and artistic design, such as that used by Apple to make their products desirable, is really important one. Both so that you feel attractive and confident, but also that sighted people see you as fashionable and, if you're up for it, attractive. People have talked many times about how dowdy devices are for the blind, rather than vibrant and ergonomically designed. If we're using the head to mount sensors, we would need something attractive and fashionable to use it there. Perhaps something like an attractive hat, whether casual or formal, or what about a warrior or hippie headband? Smile. Remembering artistic and fashionable. <laughs> Particularly important if you are looking at eyewear approaches and no, they do not need to be sunglasses. Stereotypes. But can be colourful and interesting. I think Sunu Band almost got it right but designed it to go on the opposite wrist to the long cane. Remembering the nature of how we use a light torch, the Sunu Band should have been designed so that it can sit on the wrist of the cane hand, so that wherever the cane is pointing, the sound detection is feeding back from that position. I tried to alter the sensor position on the band so that it lay between my thumb and first finger, or between that thumb and finger span. This way, it would be following my cane scanning and locate landmarks efficiently. Unfortunately, the sensor didn't work well in that angle, so I returned it. With some tweaking to sit the sensor between the thumb and the finger span with the sensor facing directly ahead, Suniband could work, thinking in the focusing principles that you could use a torch. Using the non-cane hand means you are not moving naturally and actually moving in a more robotic, unnatural way, impacting on mobility, coordination and fluidity. There's more to say, of course, but I'm trying to work on my long males. Lol. Best wishes to everyone. Wayne. (laughs) Thank you, Wayne. Appreciate that message. And and really, maybe th- have you played with the Sunu Band? I have not. No. Okay, I have not either. I have used echolocation, and I forget your your standpoint on echolocation. I know it's controversial. Oh, so, please! Jesus, I'm only here for one day. I, I'm opening this can of worms. Feedback at double tap on air. You can't drop a bomb and then run away. That's unbelievable. <laughs> um, yes, uh, we. Um, yes. We- <laughs> <laughs> I think we came down on the side of um, I don't think that everyone can do echolocation and not yeah. everyone agreed with that point. Um, but it is, you know, it is a, a technique that is available. I'm just not sure everyone can do it. 
Four. I, I realized how, how much I rely on it, even subconsciously. I always get this question uh, from people. Do you count your steps? And I realized, no, I don't count my steps. I listen to the sounds that my steps make off of the things that are around me. And usually when I'm comfortable in the play area, I know, oh, it's time to turn. Wow. What do you wear? Tap shoes? I mean, you know. No. No, my sneakers no. don't make much sound. Um, I'm Your sneakers not... don't make much sound, but they may make a little sound oh, that, that bounces right. off the the walls. It is funny that I, I do. I have noticed since I've lost a lot of vision, as in I, I don't see the cars parked on the sidewalk anymore. I do notice that I, I do pay much more attention to. You know, you can just feel them, the presence, feel the force mm-hmm. of a. You know, a. Um, four by four car in front of you and you do stop and you know i put my cane out and oh yeah there is one there now it's not infallible sometimes i stop and there's absolutely nothing there in front of me (laughs) but um that is purely down it's 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 no you know secret magic it is purely down to a difference in sound or maybe even just the difference in the feel of the wind you know coming at you or whatever that that sense um usually it's down to if the car's just stopped you've got that ticking of the engine and maybe even the the sense of the warmth coming off it you are more sensitive to that sort of thing um how have you gone with um any sonar tech have you used any at all nope i sure haven't i think it would be pretty cool though uh you guys were talking on wednesday's show about the ultra watch 2 the apple watch ultra 2 and how steven doesn't think it's time for one and i don't think it's time for a ultra 2 yet i think they should wait till next year and we'll see in a couple of days what they do before releasing it but wouldn't it be cool if they could offer some sort of sonar seeking or some sort of thing that would give you haptic feedback or audio feedback to be able to tell you what's around you just by you scanning uh with that hand oh a sunu uh, band the, built into an apple yeah. watch that yeah. is see they're talking about sherlocking devices let's let's sherlock suno band by putting it into an apple watch it won't happen but it sure would be nice well i'm just thinking it may not even need any specific sensor i'm thinking of something like the um echo fourth gen on onwards having presence detection using mm. um just by emitting well, I don't know, supersonic, subsonic, I don't know what it is, sound and being able to pick up a disturbance in that. Um, the, I'm sure the Apple Watch would be able to do that, but I'm not sure how um, directionable, if that's yeah. a word, that would be rather than just you know a, a 360-degree field. Um, Apple, you can have that idea for free. Have no, they can't. They that. need to pay for it. You can uh, <laughs> contact us, feedback at doubletaponair.com. Yeah. For yeah. negotiation. Uh... I I use my Apple Watch for navigation when I'm using Apple Maps. And what I really like is that tap before the next turn. So you know, oh, it's tapping me now. If I come up to this corner, chances are I got to turn. I might not hear which direction I'm turning, but I know that I have a turn coming up. And that's what that that tap tells me. So I think they could do some interesting things with that and and sonar. I do really like the haptic nature of the Apple Watch. In everything else, like on the smartphone or whatever, I always think, yeah. They call it haptic now. I don't know where that word came from. It used to be just vibrating before, but now apparently it's called haptics. But um, <laughs> on the Apple Watch, it does actually sort of, it makes sense. You know, that tapping on your wrist really does, oh, something's happening here. I, I was really excited when the Apple Watch first came out and that whole, you know, tapping on your wrist to turn left or right. But I must admit, I don't think I've used it more than once or twice. And when I have, it's like, I just, does that mean turn right or left? I, I, I have no idea. 
It just means turn, coming up soon. Look at your phone or your watch to find out the details. Is that, is that how it works? It, it, is there not a specific pattern, if you like, for left or right or straight on? Or If there is, send it to us at feedback at com <laughs> because I have no clue. Uh, but Sean, do you have a quick hint about what's coming up Saturday or not? Oh, wow, throw me under the bus, why don't you? But luckily enough, I do know what's coming up on the Double Tap Express on Saturday. Uh, we are talking to Lucy Begley about the Victor Reader Stream 3. And also Jason Fear will be telling us about the new update for the Sense Player, which gives us that new screen reader and the ability to run Android apps. Cool. And I'll be talking to Mike Buckley, the CEO of Be My Eyes, to find out where we're at with a much anticipated Be My AI feature, which, as we mentioned earlier, is amazing. It certainly is. So make sure you tune in. That's Saturday's Double Tap. Now, I want to ask you, Mickey B. I hope you don't mind that name, by the way. It's, it's something I've coined for you. No, well, it's, it's a British thing. We always give nicknames, and it suits you down to the ground. But thank you so much for standing in for Stephen in this episode. You've done an amazing job. It's been, I'm going to say, 98% tech, which is, for this show, absolutely amazing. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> But as people have undoubtedly fallen in love with your syrupy voice, I want to know, where can we uh, tune in? People can hear me all over the place. Of course, on the amazing AMI, you can hear me on Mondays at, uh, what time is that? Oh, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern <laughs> with Kelly and Romeo, and I'm bringing you guys tech segments. You also can hear me on the Technically Working podcast, which I think you've listened to a couple of times with Demasi, and oh, yes. we talk about work while we're technically working, and that's always been fun. Uh, latest edition uh, that we talked about is Gun to have some content about the blind shell classic 2 which is another podcast that i host called the shell phone show where i teach you about the blind shell classic 2 um have you ever had this problem sean you're on youtube you're listening to podcasts and 20 minutes of the episode is subscribe to me ring that bell don't forget to, to hit the like button that's what i do on my show yeah what's wrong with that there's nothing wrong with it if you get into the content. Uh, someone hasn't listened to Shaun of the Shed. No comments. Uh, but for me, that is definitely one of the, the caveats. And my wife told me, she said, I would love to watch more or look more stuff up on YouTube. But they spend so much time getting into the content that they don't actually get to the content in a reasonable time. So with the Shell Phone Show, we teach you how to do something with the Blind Shell Classic 2. Try to keep it under 10 minutes. It's honestly closer to two to five minutes. And then, of course, there's my Tuesday calls. I'm pretty fond of these. Uh, we go in and do a live show every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Eastern where we can answer your tech questions. If we don't have the answers, we'll pretend like we know the answers. And then those are oh. turned into a podcast on the Unmute Presents podcast feed. Amazing. Definitely check those out. Michael and Damasi, absolutely fantastic. I've got to ask, though, why do you call it the Shell Phone Show? I mean, how many times do you fall over that tongue twister? I've got it down now. Uh, the problem that I run into is explaining to people, don't put the word blind in there or you're not going to find it. It's just <laughs> Shell Phone Show. Real quick story about that before we wrap it up is uh, forever, I would say at least two or three months, I got phone calls almost every day at AT Guys that said, hey, I want to get that Shell Phone. Where's that Shell Phone? How do I get that Shell Phone? I, I, someone told me about that Shell Phone. I said, Demasi, we really got to play on that. And he suggested, why don't you call it the Shell Phone Show? So that's where the Shell Phone show came up at 
And uh, thanks for having me, Sean. Appreciate it. Uh, If you guys have feedback or you do or don't want to hear me or more of me, feel free to give us a call 877-803-4567 or feedback at uh, feedback at double tap on air.com. I almost gave you my feedback email. (laughs) You tripped just at the end. Oh, you were so close. Thanks again, Mike. And of course, thank you for listening. Do get in touch. We love your emails and voicemails and we will see you tomorrow. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.